many of y'all are excited about tonight? Amen. Well, you're going to want to be here tonight, and you're going to want to be here early, because if you're not, you may be uh, trying to find a seat somewhere in the aisle. Uh, and when I say the aisle, I'm talking about in between the chairs. Uh, so be here on time, be here early, get you a good seat. We are so excited tonight at 6 o'clock. And yes, we are excited about the cookies and cocoa, but we're more excited about singing and hearing the gospel sung from the choir and the orchestra. I want to also share with you that we are sponsoring uh, Christmas gifts for 115 children at Light of the Village this year. Donations can be made online or you can put it in the offering and designate that to Light of the Village gifts by putting it in the four area of the check. The suggested donation is $25. That will help, um, but any, any amount will help. And we are collecting funds through December 20th, which is a week and a half from now. Believe it or not, we are two weeks from tomorrow from Christmas. It feels like 2023 just started, and now we're at Christmas. On Sunday, December 27th, or 27th, I told you on Wednesday night I was having jet lag. Maybe I'm still having it. On Sunday, December 17th, the church body will uh, affirm the 2024 proposed budget and the nominees for deacons. Printed budgets are at the welcome desk at the table and at the table by the sound booth right here by the two double doors. Um, As I share with you each week, if you would like more information about our budget, please see uh, Martin. And if you have any questions about those who are nominated as deacons, you can come and see me. Also throughout the month of December is the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. This is given directly to the IMB, the International Mission Board. It goes directly to our missionaries that are all over the world. This is extremely important. Last year, I had just come back from South Asia. I saw firsthand what they were doing and how they were working with the persecuted church, and I had the opportunity myself. And we saw one of our greatest Uh, gifts that we've ever done to the IMB for Lottie Moon. Uh, We saw, I think, north of $50,000 last year. And my prayer this year is that we could do the same. It cost about $60,000 for one missionary to be on the field throughout the whole whole year. And these are our missionaries. These are part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Those who are trained through the SBC, they do a wonderful job of not only training, but supporting and keeping them accountable while they're on the field. And so my prayer is that throughout the month of December, we too would uh, pray over and give towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. With that being said, I do want to share thank you so much for those who prayed for our team as we went and supported our partnership in Anchorage, Alaska. I preached there on Sunday as Brother Randy was here uh, this sun- last Sunday, and uh, it went amazing. God blessed. They were praying in their outreach that they would just have a couple, maybe 100, 200 people show up to the outreach that we went to go and help, and they had over 450 to 500 people show up in Anchorage to hear the gospel of Jesus, and we just praise God for that. Uh, amen. Brother Tracy, he will be here uh, in March, and you'll get to hear him preach. I'm super excited about uh, the days to come as we continue to partner with uh, Christ Community Church in Anchorage, Alaska. If you are interested in going and serving there this summer, you can sign up on our interest at the Go table in the lobby, and we would love to share with you more about the team that will be going up there this summer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will begin our time uh, of singing. Father, you are so good, and we praise your holy name. 
And Father, I just thank you for all that you are doing here at Luke 418 Fellowship. We recognize that we are desperately dependent upon you for all things. And so, Father, today as we come into this place, may our hearts be prepared to hear and to sing praises. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord but he who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false? Father, today, in this moment, cleanse our hearts. May we just begin this time of singing and pray, praising your name by examining our hearts. And Lord, if there's any distraction, if there's any sin, may we repent right now. That our hearts may be prepared to ascend the hill of the Lord. Father, we want nothing more than in this time for your name to be lifted high and your name to be glorified. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you again for being here with us. If you're a guest here today, we'd love for you to take that card in the seat back pocket right in front of you, fill that thing out, and then put it in one of the boxes that are in the back of the room so that we can get you a little bit more information about Luke 418 Fellowship. But for now, let's sing and worship in spirit and in truth. Why don't you stand, greet someone around you here today as we sing at Luke 418 Fellowship.
give him praise and honor this morning, just as the angels did there in a shepherd's field. So let's sing Angels from the Realms of Glory today. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's word. seated as we continue in worship. Love that third verse because it just centers around us gathering together and singing and praising the Lord for what he has done, for giving us life and life abundantly, giving us amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now am found was blind but now I see t'was grace that taught my promise that he gave to us saying that the Lord has promised the Lord has promised 
celebrate the beginning of our redemption at Christmas time, we also need to look at the finished work that Christ did on the cross. He was faithful to the Father's will even up until the end. Let's cast our mind to that moment at Calvary today. I cast my mind to Calvary. Where Jesus bled and died for me, I see His wounds, His hands, His feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all alone Oh, praise the name today. 
on the third and great of John, the Son of Heaven rose again. Amen. this race, knowing that that is the end goal, that forever and ever together we would sing your praise, that we would reflect and that we would remember and that we would rejoice in what you have done, the way that you came, the the miracle of your birth, 
the sinlessness of your life, the example that you have given to us, your cruel death on a cross that took the sin of the world on your shoulders, and ultimately the way that you rose from the dead and are seated at the right hand of the Father today. Lord, you are our all in all, the most precious treasure and the greatest prize that we could ever imagine, Lord. So give us the endurance to run this race together. And not just to run the race haphazardly, Lord, but to be led by your Holy Spirit and to rely on our good shepherd. We pray uh, just for everything that will go on tonight, that it will be pleasing to you as we sing together, as we worship together in this place. Lord, we give you our all today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As the choir continues to come down, I forgot to share with you at the beginning, and I don't want to forget this, so I'm going to go on and say it. I don't like to give announcements at this point, but tonight will be Miss Denise, who has played the piano for many, many years. This will be her last time as she is retiring and... um, So I want you to be here tonight, and we're going to celebrate her and just be so thankful for all the time that she has played here, and even for those who came from Cottachill and all those years, she was playing the piano when I was that tall. And uh, so I have known her for years, and uh, she mentioned retirement two other times, and I told her no. But she has uh, told me that I really believe it's this time. But we also have an amazing pianist coming behind her and Heidi. And so we're so thankful for God preparing the way. Now, we just sang some Christmas songs. And then we also sang a song there at the end about the cross. And I tell you, I love that last song we sang. It's incredible. And I think that it goes to show why... The decorations are the way they are with the cross right above the manger scene. You know, it is beautiful, and I think that it goes even further than this. If you go from the birth to the cross and then the ascension, which is Christ seated at the right hand because it is finished. You know, somebody asked me one day, they said, David, which is more important, the birth of Jesus or the crucifixion and the resurrection? I said, you can't have one without the other. And not only that, as I've shared with you many times, you also can't have salvation without the virgin birth. Jesus had to be born of a virgin or else he would have been born into sin as you and I both were. And so may we recognize at this Christmas time, it's not one or the other, it's both. We celebrate the birth of Jesus and we also celebrate what took place on the cross, and that is that our sins were placed upon the Son of God, and that He rose again on the third day. You know, this Christmas, as we sing tonight with carols, the focus is shepherd, savior, king. That is what Brother Aaron brought and and, and showed you even in the song at the beginning, that main song that speaks of Jesus being the shepherd, the savior, and the king. And so the next three weeks, as we go into this time of Advent, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we're going to look at Jesus as the shepherd. We're going to look at Jesus as savior, and we're going to look at Jesus as king. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to John chapter 10. 
And we're going to begin in verse 24. We're going to read John chapter 10, verse 24 through 30. We will also be in Psalm 23. And uh, for those who uh, go to the Bible app and usually have our points, I apologize. Uh, I, I, I was getting over jet lag, and so the points are not there today, but they will be on the screen today. And next week, you can go back to the Bible app, and you'll find those points there. John chapter 10, verses 24 through 30 says this, The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you. And you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's pray. Father, we praise your holy name today, and we thank you for your word. And Father, as as I open up your word today, I am desperately dependent on you to speak. Place me on the front row. Let me hear that which you are speaking, that I would place it into my life. Holy Spirit, illuminate the pages today. That we may live out accordingly to your word. And Father, I pray that we would recognize what it means that Jesus is the good shepherd. Now, Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. For it's in your holy name. Amen. You know, as we begin this time, this whole chapter, and if I uh, could give you some homework, I think it's wise for you to go home and read John chapter 10. It speaks of Jesus being the good shepherd. In the book of John, we see multiple I am statements. And here in chapter 10, we see two of them. We see Jesus say, I am the door. And then he also says, I am the good shepherd. Now, in order for us to better understand Jesus being the good shepherd and us being related to sheep, I think it's wise for us to learn a little bit about what sheep do and how they act, and also to know what it was like to be a shepherd in the days of Jesus. I want to read to you, and I'm going to break this up a little bit into different portions of this message, but I want to read to you from an article that was written on a website, gotquestions.org. It's a website that has close to 800,000 articles written to help people understand God's Word. And this is what I love about this website that I sometimes will go and read articles. They say, we don't want you just to simply believe what we tell you. We want you to go back to the Word and make sure that it is in truth with the Word. And they say, if it's not, then reject it. And if it is, then accept it. And so this is what they share, speaking of animals or speaking of sheep. They say, of all domesticated animals, sheep are the most helpless. Sheep will spend their entire day grazing, wandering from place to place, never looking up. As a result, they often become lost. Some of you are like, okay. I get it. I'm just like that. But sheep have no uh, homing instincts 
as other animals do. They are totally incapable of finding their way to the sheepfold even when it's in plain sight. Wow, it really does feel like us sometimes, doesn't it? By nature, sheep are followers. If the lead sheep steps off of a cliff, others will follow. Additionally, sheep are easily susceptible to injury and utterly helpless against predators. If a wolf enters the pen, they won't defend themselves. They won't try to run away or spread out. Instead, they huddle together and are easily slaughtered. If sheep fall into a moving water, they will drown. Church, I share that with you as we begin this to recognize how vulnerable we are without a good shepherd. We too are just like sheep who have gone astray as the scripture speaks. We too are incapable of even seeing that which is right in front of us without the power of the Holy Spirit. We too keep our heads down so often and forget and lose our path and our way. But praise God, Jesus is the good shepherd. Today, I want to really just hone in on verse 27. If you put 27 up on the screen for me, it says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you want to know what the points are today, there it is. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. The first thing that we see in this passage is my sheep. My sheep. I love this because this is Jesus using that possessive. He's saying, they're mine. This understanding goes all the way back to the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, when they were leaving Egypt, when God was uh, helping them out and delivering them from Egypt, he said, you will be my people and I will be your God. Exodus 6 verse 7 says, uh, I will take you for my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the bondage or under the bondage of the Egyptians. Throughout the book of Exodus, he, uh, Moses is reminding the nation of Israel, remember that he is our God. He's the one who delivered us. We are his people. But then we see in the New Testament that God continues this promise to all who believe. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. Church, when it says, my sheep, Jesus is using this possessive. He's saying, these are those who are in the sheepfold that are mine. Now, praise God, just a few verses down in John 10, it says, no one can snatch God's sheep away from him. Now that should give you peace, that should give you strength, that should bring excitement to your heart because we are truly his own possession. Can you say today that you are a sheep under the good shepherd of Jesus Christ? How do you enter the sheep pen? How do you become a sheep who is under the good shepherd? Well, the scripture tells us here in John chapter 10. In verse 25 and 26, Jesus gives us the opposite. He says this, 
I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Verse 25 and 26 tells us that for you to be part of the sheepfold, for you to be under the good shepherd means that you first must believe. You must believe. What are we to believe in? Well, we're to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We are to believe that each of us are sinners in desperate need of a Savior, for we cannot save ourselves. We are to believe that Jesus came, born as a baby, as an infant, to the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem. We are to believe that Jesus lived a perfect life according to the law. Jesus, we are to believe that Jesus died a sinner's death, though he was sinless. We are to believe that Jesus paid the price for our sin upon the cross. And we are to believe that Jesus rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. I'm here to ask you today, do you truly believe? Do you truly believe as we come into this time of of Christmas, that we celebrate that Jesus Emmanuel, God with us, stepped down from heaven and came and invaded this earth. Do you truly believe that he died on the cross and rose again on the third day? But you know what's interesting is is that it's not just simply believing, as it says in the scripture, that the demons believe and they shudder. But the scripture tells us, and go to verse 9 of John 10, it says this, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastures. What does this mean? This means that if you truly believe, you must enter through the door. And as you enter through the door, which is Jesus himself, you are saying, I submit to the leadership, the lordship of Jesus Christ. You're saying, I believe and I surrender my life to the good shepherd. I want to be a sheep under the leadership, the lordship of the good shepherd. John chapter 10 verse 9 says that Jesus is the door. This is so important. John 14, 6, we know this. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through Jesus. There is only one way into the sheep pen, and that is through Jesus Christ. I think it's good for us to continue on with that explanation from the article that I read. It says, in the days of Jesus, there were two kinds of sheepfolds. One was a public sheepfold found in the cities and villages. It would be large enough to hold several flocks of sheep. The sheep pen would be in the care of a doorkeeper whose duty is to guard the door to the sheep pen during the night and to admit the shepherds in the morning. The shepherds would call their sheep and each knew of their shepherd's voice and they would lead them out to pastures. The second kind of sheep pen was in the countryside where the shepherds would keep their flock in good weather. This type of sheep pen was nothing more than a a rough circle of rocks piled into a wall with a small opening, space to enter. Though if the the shepherd would uh, drive the sheep at nightfall, Since there was no gate to close, just an opening, the shepherd would keep his sheep in in, and the wild animals out by laying across the opening. He would sleep there in case, literally, in this case, literally becoming the door for the sheep. 
In this context, Jesus is telling us that he is not only the shepherd of the sheep, but also the door. Jesus is referencing the door as one who lays and guards between the sheep and the wolves. The only way that we can truly come into the sheep pen, into the fold, and let Christ be our shepherd is if we come through the door. The scripture does tell us in John 10 that there are other ways that people try to get in. It says in verse 1 of John 10, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up another way, he is a thief and a robber. People try all the time to enter into the sheepfold in many different ways, but there's only one true way to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that is through Christ alone. Others try to climb up the wall. Others try to show their good works. Others try to have their church membership. Others try to give and all these different things. And Jesus says that I am the only way to the Father. Those who go other different directions are climbing the wall and they are known as robbers and thieves. Why? Because they will lead the sheep astray. If somebody tells one of the sheep, hey, there's multiple ways to heaven, and that sheep begins to believe that, that robber, that thief who climbed in over the top is the one who is leading them astray from the truth of God's word. Jesus even spoke of this, of the Pharisees in Matthew 7, 15 through 23, but I'll just look at verse 15. It says this, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Church, we must recognize that the only way in is through Jesus. Any other way is being led astray by wolves, by thieves, by robbers. And then I love this. John 10.10 tells us the difference between the thieves and Jesus, the good shepherd. It says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and have it abundantly. But church, not only does verse 27 tell us that he, we are, they are his sheep, my sheep, it also says they hear my voice. The second thing that we see in this passage is, is first, that, that we are his sheep. Second is, is that we hear his voice. Go back to John 10, 3 and 4. It says, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. As I was preparing for this message, I was just decided that I would YouTube just sheep callers, shepherds. Found some interesting videos, and I wanted to show them, but I didn't know if I was allowed to for all these legal rights, you know. But I saw where there were sheep out in the field and there was these people that came up and they were calling the sheep and calling the sheep and using the same words that the shepherd would use, calling the sheep. And they just kept their head down and kept making some like noise. That was pretty good. And they kept doing this and kept doing this. Four different people tried. And then finally the shepherd came up and said the same thing. And all of them kind of like looked up. And within just a few moments, they were all running to the shepherd. I read an article that said that when shepherds would bring their sheep and they would go to a well to get water. 
And other shepherds would show up and there would be this massive amount of sheep, all different flocks, all different uh, groups. The shepherds never got concerned about, hey, we got to make sure this one knows and let's keep these separated. All the shepherd had to do was say, come. And those who were truly his would come. And all the other ones would wait until their shepherd said, come. I thought this was so beautiful as we see this. My sheep hear my voice. Church, there's really two different voices out there. We have the voice of the good shepherd. And then we have all other voices. The voice of the good shepherd speaks truth. Speaks love. Speaks God's word. John chapter 8, another piece of homework that you can do is go home and read John chapter 8. It really talks about the two voices. It talks about the voice of truth and it talks about the voice of the enemy. The voice of truth, as it says this in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, it says this. It says, So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word then you are truly my disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you continue in my words, Christ's words, Jesus, the good shepherd, then you will know the truth. Why? Because the only thing that comes forth from Jesus' mouth is truth. If you continue in it, then you'll know the truth, and as you walk in it, you'll be free. Jesus speaks this all throughout the Gospels, to the disciples. Listen to what I'm speaking. Listen to what I'm saying. Walk in obedience of what is being spoken. Listen to the truth. But then John 8 also says that there's another voice. John 8, 38, I speak the things which I have seen my father, seen with my father, or in the presence of my father. That word literally means seen is in the presence But John 8, 38, I speak, Jesus speaks the things which I have seen in my Father. Therefore, you also do the things which you have heard from your Father. Big difference between the capital F and the lowercase f. Who is their Father? John 8, 44 tells us, you are of your Father the devil. And you want to do the desires of your Father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever you speak, or whenever he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Church, there's two voices out there. You have the voice of the good shepherd who's speaking truth to you. And you have the voice of the enemy who speaks from his nature, which is the voice of lies. The voice that you obey is the voice that you're listening to. Let me just say that again. The voice that you obey is the voice that you're listening to. Verse 4 of John 10 says this. I told you it would be all throughout John 10 today. Verse 4 says, When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep will follow because they know his voice. I I called Jeff Barton uh, this weekend to ask me if I could share this story. How many of y'all have ever been to a, a, a t-ball game? Yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? 
How many of y'all ever seen parents shouting at a t-ball game? If you haven't, then you, you haven't uh, been to one of my sons. Um, but what happens is, is all the parents are, they know baseball, right? At least enough, better than probably the t-baller. And so they're trying to tell them what to do, but everybody's trying to tell them what to do, right? Jeff was at a game with his son, and, and his son, there was a person on first and second, and maybe on third, I don't know, on full, uh, all, all bases, and there was no outs, and they hit a line drive to his son, and his son put up the glove, and next thing you know, the ball was in the glove, which meant the batter's out, but also means that the runners can't advance. And in the chaos of the moment... This side is saying, go back to your base, go back to your base. This side's yelling, he caught it, and go, go tag him, do this. And next thing you know, you have all these voices. Can you imagine a seven-year-old, six-year-old? I mean, I can't imagine if all y'all were speaking to me at one time. But in that moment, Jeff looked at his son, and he spoke clearly. He said, Go tag him and tag the base. And his son did that. He had a triple play in T-ball. But what's so beautiful about that moment is that all these voices around, he listened to his father. He listened to his dad. And, And he was able to hear his voice amongst all the other voices because he knew his father's voice. Church, we can only obey the Father's voice if we know His voice. We can only obey obey the Good Shepherd if we know His voice. How do you know His voice? Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture. You want to know the voice of God? You want to know the voice of Jesus? John 1 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You want to know His voice? We must be in the Word of God. If we're not in the Word of God, we're not going to be able to discern somebody's thought and someone else's thought to figure out which one is truth. We can't go off of emotions, church. we got to go off of the truth. Your emotions are real. God designed you with emotions, but they will lead you down the path of least resistance often. Your emotions will lead you. Somebody told me this. They said, emotions make a really bad God. Church, we must know the truth that we can walk in the truth. Our emotions have to be under, submitted to the Lordship of Christ that we follow the truth. Do you know the voice of God? Do you listen and obey? There's that favorite word of mine, Shema. And the Hebrew means to listen and it means to obey. If you're not obeying, you're not listening. And let me go back and say this again. The voice that you listen to is the voice that you're obeying. The third thing that we see in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and mean this is powerful. It says, and I know them. Think about that for a minute. The creator God of the universe, Jesus, the good shepherd, says, I know my sheep. It says earlier, I know them by name. He knows you, church. 
He loves you. He cares for you. He is our good shepherd. John 17, 3 says this, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Church, we must ask this question, how do we know the Father? How do we know the Father? We recognize how we get to know Jesus through the Word of God. How do we know the Father? And how does the Father know us? Well, it's clear in 1 John five twenty. it says this, And we know the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. How do we know the Father? By knowing Jesus. Commentators say for hundreds of years people have tried to come to know the Father through all these other ways, but the Bible offers one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. John 14, 7 says, If you know me, then you know my Father also. For now on you know him and have seen him. We know the Father through Jesus. As we get to know Jesus through the Word, we also get to know the Father. Have you ever experienced this this situation? Some of you may have, have had this happen before where somebody was telling you about someone and they kept telling you about someone and they kept telling you about someone and then you met that someone and you're like, I feel like I, what? Already know you. Why do we say that? Because we kept hearing and hearing and hearing about that person. Listen, this, that example is minuscule compared to the fact that Jesus continues to show us the Father by his own life. That when we stand before the throne of God after we breathe our last because of the righteousness of Jesus that has been placed upon us, we will be able to say, we know the Father because we know Jesus. The last thing that we see in verse 27, my sheep, they hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Church, this may be the harder part. Are you following the good shepherd? If you truly believe in all that we shared beforehand, if you've truly stepped through the door by submitting to the Lordship of Christ, receiving the free gift of eternal life, and you're truly a sheep under the Good Shepherd, you're called to follow. You only follow the one who you trust. You only follow the one who you trust. Verses 4 and 5 of John 10 says, it says he puts forth all his own. He goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. In verse 5, a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the stranger. Following the voice of God, the voice of Jesus, means that you are walking in obedience of the word. Let me give you an example. When I was a kid in elementary school, Whenever we'd go from class to the cafeteria, we'd have to line up. And then the teacher would give us some, some rules. Number one, stay in line. That was the hardest one. Number two, don't talk. That was hard too. Number three, hands to yourself. Number four, we're going straight there. We're not deviating. Don't ask me if you have to go to the restroom or to go to the restroom. So we showed 
that we were listening and following by what? By our action. By our action. Whether we actually followed and obeyed that was shown through our actions. Church, we, it's easy for us to understand that if you're truly uh, a sheep under the good shepherd, if you truly hear his voice and you recognize that he knows you and that you know him, then we are to follow and that following is shown by our actions. John 8.51 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, keeps or follows obedience to my word, he will never see death. Church, we can follow the good shepherd when we truly believe that the good shepherd has our best interest in mind. If we truly believe that the good shepherd loves us and cares for us and is not going to lead us down a path that's going to harm us, you say, well, David, I've been through some tough stuff in life. I'm here to tell you that's because of the enemy and God is using that for the sanctification process in your life. Where does God lead us? We're called to follow. I think it's easier for us to follow if we know where he's leading us. So let's look at where he's leading us. There's six verses in the Old Testament that speak of it. Many of you have it memorized. It's Psalm 23. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Think about that. He's leading us to the food that we need. He leads me beside quiet waters. Can I tell you that at the beginning I shared that sheep are afraid of, they drown in water and they're fearful of rushing water because of that. They oftentimes, according to some of the articles that I read, won't even drink until it's still. In following the good shepherd, he restores my soul. In following the good shepherd, he guides me in the path of righteousness. He leads me according to his truth for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though the enemy comes against me, even though there are painful situations in life, even though I look around and the circumstances are bleak, I fear no evil. Why? Because the good shepherd is with me. Jesus doesn't say to the sheep, hey, go on through your circumstances. He says, I am with you through all of them. This is why I think it was so important when the disciples were on the boat and Jesus was sleeping and and the storms and the waves came and and they were scared to death and they went and woke him up and said, we're going to die, what's going on? And Jesus said, you have little faith. You know, at first I was like, why are they little faith? Because they woke up the one who can stop what's going on. But Then I recognized that it was, oh, ye of little faith because they didn't realize who was with them. The Son of God was with them. There was no reason to fear. He follow, we follow Him as He, it says in verse 4, Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. We follow Him and He is our protector. They comfort us. Sometimes the rod is used for discipline. To keep the sheep from going off the cliff and sometimes the rod is used against wild animals who come against them 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Church, think about this for a moment. God prepares. The good shepherd, Jesus, prepares a table in the midst of our enemies. You say, that seems really strange, David. Not really, when you think about our daily life. In the midst of the enemy all around, we have a table set for two between you and God. There's no other seat at the table. It's not for your enemy to come sit down. It's between you and God. And even though the enemy is standing right close by, we are to keep our eyes directly on the one who has set the table for us. As we follow the good shepherd, he anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. It overflows to the point that what you speak And how you act is an overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then look at verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Church, we follow the good shepherd. Because he loves us and he cares for us. He's protecting us. He's providing for us. We truly trust him. We've submitted to the lordship of Christ. We are his sheep. He is our Lord and our Savior. But then it says this in verse 6. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can I tell you why I follow the good shepherd? Yes, it's because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, but it's something even greater than that, and that's John ten eleven. Because Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Church, the reason that I follow the good shepherd is because he has shown Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us by going to the cross, dying and taking my sin and my shame upon him, rising again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Because of all of that, I can come through the door and be his sheep. Why do I follow the good shepherd? Because he's laid down his life. For me. This Christmas we celebrate that Jesus is the good shepherd. That he has come. But may we follow him. I'm here to ask this question as we close today. Are you truly a sheep? Under the good shepherd. And if you are. Do you follow him? As he leads you throughout this life. Knowing that he is your provider, your protector. He's the one who will lead you all the way till you breathe your last. And then it says in verse 6 of Psalm 23, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.